Hey, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. And today, we ask the question, do you believe in happily ever afters? Hey everyone, my name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church in beautiful Powell River, British Columbia. So glad that you could join us. So, happily ever after. How many stories or movies did you watch as a kid that had this concept of happily ever after? They conclude these stories and they lived happily ever after. And of course, happily ever after didn't happen until after the villain was defeated. The conflict was endured and overcome and true love was restored. Yet as kids, you read these stories and you, you kind of believe that it was just that simple. Life was just that simple. And then we grow up, right? Then we begin to understand that there are villains in this world. Probably the hardest lesson as we grow up and grow into adulthood is to recognize that Parts of us are the villains that need to be overcome at times. But more than that, we also grow weary because this world is a place of perpetual conflict. It's not like you overcome conflict and then you live happily ever after. There's this idea that we, we run into conflict, obstacles, things in our way as we live this life. And the way those stories, they captured our imaginations and our hearts, they kind of begin to fade a little bit. And after a while, we look back and we just say they were just fairy tales. They're just make-believe. They're just fairy tales, right? And this is kind of where we get in life. But, but what if they're not just fairy tales? Now, some of you rolling your eyes, I can see it. I, I'm rolling my eyes as I say it. I'm not talking about... This, this subject matter and the characters and the people and the story. I'm talking about the principle of some of these stories. This macro meta idea of overcoming the villain, overcoming the obstacles and the conflict, and that there is a happily ever after. What, what if there's a, a clue there? to an eternal and existential reality and longing in the heart of humanity. Psalm 23, we've been going through this series in Psalm 23, and it leads us to a moment like this, a moment that captures something of longing, something of a reality we have yet to experience and walk into and see. It's a lyric that's full of hope and potential and eternal consequence. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 23. And we're going to be ending our series here in verse 6. Psalm 23, verse 6. And so let's read this entire psalm together as we just kind of re-immerse ourselves in the context of this as a whole. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's take a moment to pray together. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence with us. I acknowledge your presence here in this moment. Lord, I acknowledge your presence with those watching. Lord, you were with us. You were leading and guiding us in truth. And so, Lord, would you take this moment? Would you use it for your purposes in our hearts and our lives? Would you reveal truth to us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we come to the closing verse of perhaps the most well-known uh, probably maybe even the most recited psalm uh, there is in the entire book of the Psalms. And this is verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, as we read this, let's remember that this remains in the transition of themes. And so what I mean by that is Psalm 23 has two kind of primary themes. The first is God as our shepherd, and then it transitions to God as our gracious host. And so this is in the context now of God as our gracious host. This imagery of table and food and drink being served in the presence of your enemies. There's this anointing of your head with oil, a refreshing this act of generous hospitality, the overflowing cup, which represented, as Pastor Lisa uh, taught us a few weeks ago, represented this idea of the host being honored that you are there, delighting in you as their guest. And so now we close with these words, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. This is a Psalm of David. These are the words of David. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Now there's two misconceptions that I want to kind of bring to our attention here as we read this verse. The first is we often bring a partial misconception to the concept of mercy being cited here. Uh, some of your translations, you'll see that it actually doesn't say mercy, it says loving kindness. And, and consider for a moment that the, this idea um, of mercy, consider what springs to your mind right now as we kind of think of the English language we think we come kind of come from that paradigm. And so what do you think when you think of mercy? Is it this act of being guilty and yet the judge is merciful upon you and is lenient towards you? You know what I'm saying? This is kind of our idea of mercy. And, and that is absolutely in part what the psalmist is trying to speak to. But it's so much more than that. The word in the Hebrew here is hesed. And hesed, it's not simply the act of mercy. It's, it's probably better defined as the motivation behind the act of mercy. It, in part, it's mercy, but so much more. It's the motivation. It's the heart. It's the, the spirit behind these acts of mercy. Like I said, some of your translations uh, translate hesed as loving kindness. Still others uh, translate as steadfast love. 
I love that. Steadfast love. It's the exact same word that they use that, that is used by the psalmist in Psalm 25, verse 7. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, according to your hased, steadfast love. Remember me for the sake of your goodness. And then a couple verses later, in verse 10 of Psalm 25, all the paths of the Lord are hased, steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimony. So it's, it's more than just mercy. This is mercy that's motivated by love and kindness. But it's not just any love. It's steadfast love. Um, let, let me give you some synonyms. Let's, let's, let's kind of like flush out this idea of steadfast love a little bit. You could use the word resolute, loyal, faithful, committed, love. Devoted, dedicated, dependable, love, reliable, steady, true love. Derek Kidner describes this concept. Mercy is the covenant word rendered steadfast love elsewhere. Together with goodness, it suggests the steady kindness and support that one can count on in the family or between firm friends. How, how many know that the love you receive, the mercy, the kindness, the graciousness that you receive from strangers is different than the love and the graciousness and the kindness you receive from family and friends? And this is kind of motivated mercy, this motivated love, steadfast, reliable, dependable love that the psalmist is talking about. But then what does it say next? It says, this love, this mercy, this goodness and kindness shall what? Follow me. Shall follow me. Uh, Derek Kidner continues as he writes and comments on this, uh, this verse. He says, with God, these qualities are not merely solid and dependable, but vigorous. For to follow does not mean here to bring up the rear, but to pursue, but to pursue. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the epic classic of our generation, <laughs> The Princess Bride. Have you seen that? I feel like everyone has at least at one time seen The Princess Bride. Some of you have probably seen it like over a hundred times. Um, if you're like me, I've probably seen it like Lots. I've watched it lots growing up. But most of the movie is really about the pursuit of love. You know, you have Princess Buttercup who's been kidnapped. And you have, at the beginning of the movie, who you understand to be the dread pirate Roberts. Chasing and pursuing. Actively pursuing her as the kidnappers take her away. And he pursues her on, on the ship and he pursues her up the cliffs and he has sword fights and uh, tests of strength. And, and then finally he has this test of matching wits with one of the kidnappers and he's actively pursuing, he's seeking to save her. You, you could say that his love was inconceivable. I know that was so bad. Um, I apologize for that. If you've seen the movie, you, you, yeah, anyway. 
It is inconceivable that I said that. God actively pursues you with his steadfast love. Like it's active, it's pursuit, it's, it's, it doesn't matter if you're going the right way or the wrong way, he's pursuing, he's pursuing with that steadfast love. And so the, the problem is we often treat, when we walk into this world, we walk through the hard times and trying to overcome and walking through the valley of the shadow of death and all these components and pieces and moments, we often treat our journey of faith as sort of a solo pursuit. We, we, we come to believe that the outcome of our journey of faith is solely dependent on us. How disciplined can I be? How hardworking? How devoted? How much can I read the Bible? How much can I pray? How much time can I take? All these, and we begin to believe that, that our, our ability to walk in maturity and walk in faith and walk in Jesus becomes a solo pursuit. And we often overlook the single greatest contributor. This idea that God is actively pursuing you as our good shepherd, as our gracious host. We, we began today by talking about fairy tales. And these, these fairy tales can capture our imaginations. They can stir something of uh, a deep emotion within us. And they, they give great metaphorical and allegorical language to our experience and our longings. But I think so often we get kind of jaded and cynical as we age because we kind of get it wrong when it comes to who's who as characters in the story. What I mean by that is, is we work really hard, whether it's in our faith whether it's in our lives, whether it's in our families, relations, whatever it may be, we work really hard to try and be the hero or the heroine of the story. We attempt to be what we can't fully be. The, the great epic story of this world, it only has one hero, and that's not us. We're not the hero of the story. His name is Jesus the Christ. The relentless pursuit and sacrifice motivated by his steadfast life, that's the climax of the story. His defeat of the enemy, which is death, literal and spiritual, is the great conclusion of the story. So this leaves us to ask, who are we in this story? And this is going to, in some ways, this brings so much freedom as we consider this. Because we're not the hero of the story. We don't have to walk in a solo pursuit of faith. Because there is a pursuit of steadfast love, a shepherd, a gracious host, a hero. So who are we in the story? We are the ones needing to be saved. We are the ones needing to be saved. When we understand this, the words of this psalm become unimaginably comforting. So let's move to the conclusion of Psalm 23. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, it's an interesting moment here as we take a look at the meaning of words. The word dwell can be interpreted one of two ways, and I, and I think both are implied here. One, it speaks to dwelling. It speaks to being in his presence. Now, if you remember, the Psalms is sort of serving as a literary temple for those in exile. The implications would be of, of being in the house of God, the place of his presence. 
It speaks of our need to be in the presence of God, in his pastures, within earshot of the shepherd and at his table as he serves as a good host, that place of refreshing and life. The word forever uh, literally can be translated as for length of days, for, for a lifetime. I will dwell in his house of the Lord for a lifetime. I will dwell in his presence for a lifetime. However, the word dwell also has a more nuanced translation. It can also be read as, I will re-enter. I will re-enter the house of the Lord forever. And so this takes us to a kind of a place of depth in this moment. Two weeks ago, I encouraged you to look at parts of this psalm from both a micro and a macro reality. And so what I meant by that is we need to see it through our current life here on this earth. We need to see it through the day-to-day of living out life here. But we also need to consider the bigger picture. And we often lose sight of the big picture. And this truth that we will one day re-enter the place of his permanent dwelling. This idea of a new heaven and a new earth, all things being made right by our creator, afresh and anew. And we will re-enter that original intention of being in his presence, every tear being wiped away. That place of joy and peace and happiness. And it's this eternal perspective that gives us hope in this world. As we seek to overcome obstacles, as we seek to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as we seek to acknowledge his presence along the way, even in the hard times, we are reminded that there is going to be a re-entry into what was meant to be. And this becomes the happily ever after that we as human race have been longing for. And those in Christ are going to have their happily ever after after. You know, Psalm 23 is in its entirety is about hope. It's about injecting hope. And I don't know if you're here and you feel a little bit hopeless. It's never hopeless, friend. There's always hope. There's always hope. It's a song that is sung by those who are facing the valleys, who are walking through hard times, who are surrounded by their enemies. It's a song of reminder and perspective. It is a song that allows you to step back from the circumstance and to see it through the eyes of a child in the presence of their creator. For some, I, I, don't, I know your story. For some of you watching, I know your story. For others, I don't know your story. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've experienced in this life. I do know that this is a broken world and I do know that we endure broken things and there's hurt and there's pain and there's wounds and there's pieces that we would love to give back. But you need to know that there's always hope. That, that He, God, Christ, the Spirit of God is present with you. And all it takes is an acknowledgement of that presence. A moment of saying, Lord, I acknowledge you. You're my shepherd, you're with me. You are the gracious host that gives me protection, even when surrounded by enemies and sets a table before me. There's this just beautiful understanding as we come to that revelation. His goodness and steadfast love is pursuing you. And I think it's important in this life to 
Consider that the changing of our circumstances is not a prerequisite to comfort, respite, and hope. The prerequisite is His presence. So often, the prerequisite becomes an acknowledgement and a running to the refuge of the presence of our God to take a moment to acknowledge that He is with you. And that changes everything. And so as we conclude this series in Psalm 23, I hope that this has uplifted your spirits. I hope that this has given you an injection of hope to overcome whatever set in front of you. And here's the deal. Jesus has overcome it all. Life, death, the grave, the enemy, he is defeated. He is the hero of the story. He has accomplished all that he has set out to accomplish. Our job is to acknowledge that we are the ones in need of being saved. Sometimes that's a hard conclusion to come to, but we are the ones in need of being saved and he's the hero of the story. And so in this moment, I hope that you'll turn to Jesus and you acknowledge that he is with you and that he can change everything. And so Lord, we just pray for everyone facing circumstances those walking through the valley of the shadow of death, those surrounded by enemies, those surrounded by health issues and circumstances, those uh, surrounded by relational dynamics that need just, just uh, a miraculous touch and uh, intervention. Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, we would just be able to take, even in this moment, like two seconds to step back and to acknowledge that you are pursuing, that goodness and steadfast love, mercy will follow each and every one of us as we acknowledge you and so lord god would you give us comfort and peace in this moment yes lord would you help us to overcome the obstacles would you lord reach out with your hand of healing and bring wholeness and restoration but lord we also pray and we know that there's a bigger part of this story and that's that moment that we will re-enter the house of the lord forever and so lord will you just convince us that Jesus is the way to that happily ever after. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.